0: to Trenton and, and Taylor, and I wanted to tell Dave, he he probably busy when it comes about time I'm leaving Telequal. The youth, uh, they cooked uh, David and I a pastor appreciation lunch yesterday, and we got to partake of that, and then they wanted to take us bowling down at Telequal Thunder Bowl, and so we had a pretty good bowling, and I'm a people watcher, and over on lane one, and we was occupying lanes three, four, and five, was a black man that had lots of energy. Couldn't bowl a whole lot, three strikes the whole two games he bowled. But watch this, watch this. Three strikes might have been divine. I hollered at him after two strikes. I said, you hit a third strike in that frame, you got to come to church tomorrow strike I got up I went over and I said that's the Trinity that's God the Father God the Son God the Spirit I said now that didn't just happen I'll see you at church in the morning some of you youth and maybe even some of you three adults thought man why is he going over there getting in that black man's grill and that emotion well I'm gonna tell you why he and his girlfriend was on the second row this morning amen why do we do what we do is we try to get them where they need to be, amen? And anyway, I told Trenton, I said, man, he was just as animated in church as he was at the bowling alley. I, I need him. I need him, yeah, I need him there. Man, that's good stuff. I was so glad. See, you know how many people I invite in a week's time to church? You know how many come? He said a lot. In case you missed that, you know how many come? I'll answer that few. Yes. You know how it does my heart good when you run on to an old boy at the bowling alley and one comes. Yes. Man, I tell you what. So I listen. That's good enough for me. We just got one going in the right direction right now. So um, that's worth coming for just that little testimony. But look here, I come in and then he said, "What are you done? You done moved to TCU? You got on purple and..." I said, well, I didn't know that, and I started to turn around and run back out there and change, but all I had in the truck was pink, so I didn't know who you'd accuse me of moving to Powder Puff or something. Man, it was uh, good to be in the house of the Lord when I left. There was an altar full uh, at Telequo. I don't know how that ends up. Maybe, maybe I'll get to know when I get to, to the, the house, and some of them are there. But a few weeks ago, I was in Trout, Louisiana. You've heard bits and pieces about that. And the services was simply amazing there. Uh, Foot washing service, gathering wild hogs, yoking wild cattle together, just rooster relay, rooster catching contest. I mean, just right down Maui, Get to do something like that and get to stop and preach in the middle of it. I mean, I actually pinched myself once and asked God, am I in heaven? Have I, have I arrived? Is this what we're going to do? But anyway, man, it was just amazing. A few days down there, and when I come back, uh, I, the twelve and twenty-two group. If you don't know who that is, that's the twelve guys picked that I disciple every year. It's a different group every year, and they get an email from me, and I, I, I emailed them uh, about that, and I said I think this foot washing could be a few days of discussion and I, I began to pose questions to them to look up and, and I shared some of that last week why is foot washing not an ordinance when baptism and the Lord's Supper is and so we had that discussion and, and some of you you've heard it but the reason for that in case you didn't know let me just enlighten you you see baptism and the Lord's Supper in the book of Acts and the epistles you don't see foot washing after the Gospels. Doesn't mean we're not supposed to do it. That means that's why it's not an ordinance. So, because we didn't see it. And so, anyway, a very good discussion. And here's how that ended up in our 12 and 22 group. Here's one of the comments I think in the church, baptisms, keep count here, the Lord's Supper, foot washing and anointing the sick and afflicted with oil or some things lacking in the church. That was the comment to close out that. Got me? Well, with that closing comment, don't think that iron don't sharpen iron. Because of that comment, that's how and why the Spirit led us to the Lord's Supper on a Sunday morning. I was amazed at how many people thought we didn't partake of the Lord's Supper when we do partake of the Lord's Supper four and five times a year, but we do it on Sunday night when few are here. So we'd done that on a Sunday morning last week, and it was followed up with what? Foot washing is exactly what happened behind the Lord's Supper according to the Gospel of John. What happened if you was here last Sunday night? We anointed two people with oil. We prayed over them. But let me stop right there and tell you this. We've done that a lot. We've done foot washing before. We've done Lord's Supper. They said they've done it this morning. But let me just say this to all of you guys. When we're not anointing people that are sick with oil, that's on you. Read James James 5, 14. If someone among you is sick, let him call for the elders. So when you're sick, if you want to be anointed... We'd be more than tickled to do it. The oil is always here. And man, I tell you what, where is old Kurt? Curtis. Man, I tell you what, that was just an amazing service when when we'd done that. He may be with the, be with the kids here this morning. But look here. Amazing. So I just told you, because of that message, as the leadership of the church, the Spirit led us to do those three things. What was the one thing I left out? Baptisms. Because listen, as much as the leadership would like to baptize and stir those waters every time we meet, that's not up to me. I said, that one's not up to me. The Spirit will lead me when we need to do the Lord's Supper. The Spirit will lead me when we need to have a little feet washing. The Spirit will lead you, I hope, when you want us to anoint you with oil. But listen, I am like that 12 and 22 man. We need to have more baptisms. And that don't fall upon leadership. That falls upon everyone in the house because it says, Go ye therefore, make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts eight, you and I are to be His witnesses when the Holy Spirit's come upon us. And we're to do that in Jerusalem. That means our hometown. We're to do it in Judea, Samaria. That means surrounding towns. And even to the uttermost parts of the earth. So if we're going to baptize and you want to see it more, I need your help. Got that? We need to be soul winners. Two things this morning. Number one, tears for soul winning. I think if you know anything about droughts and you know anything about livestock and ranching and farming, you know that this last year the drought has been spread pretty much nationwide. Because the lack of moisture, there's a lack of production. And it's causing lots of problems. Well, I'm telling you, that's been a problem way longer than a year in the churches. I'm talking about there's a lack of moisture when it comes to souls. That means there's a lack of production. See, the psalmist says, the psalmist says in chapter 126, verses 5 and 6, those who sow in tears, That's moisture. They shall reap. That's production. With joy. And it goes on to say, He who continually goes forth weeping, sowing, bearing seed for sowing. Guess what's going to happen? Continue to shed tears for souls. Continue to sow seed. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing and bringing his sheaves with him. Let me tell you, if we want to see baptisms, we want to see souls saved, there's got to be some moisture, and I'm not talking about rain falling from heaven, I'm talking about broken hearts that cause tears to come out of our eyes, run down our cheeks, and fall in these altars, or if you will, mourning benches, and we ought to be crying and praying for a lost soul. You got any family members lost? Got any co-workers lost? Got any classmates lost? Got any students lost? Got any teachers lost? I'm watching heads. How long's it been since you've shed a tear? How long's it been since you sowed a seed for their soul that hangs in the balance? See, I've shared bits and pieces. You watched on riding with Rob, Miss Tyler was born again down in Louisiana. Now what had happened that morning, an amazing church service. Then we mounted up, a lot of us on horses. About 80 people went to the piney woods. They said there's been three hogs released in here. Paul Daly said we're fixing to turn the dogs loose. And we're fixing to catch the hogs. And his last instructions for everybody that was on his buggy, and then he was pulling about a 60-yard rubber mat as a sled. Some of the people was riding on that sled, some on the buggy. And so he says... When them dogs strike up a hog or one of these boys, a horseback, strike up a hog, I get kind of excited. And so all you folks that are on the wagon and on the sled back there, one of two things when the dogs strike a hog or one of the guys on the horse spot him and try to put him on the end of the rope, one of two things if you're on this rig, I'm going to get excited and I'm going to go fast. You either need to hang on or jump off. We caught three hogs, and let me tell you, it was at the expense of one young man getting knocked out colder than a wedge, forgot to duck when he went under a limb. We caught three hogs, and one or two got thrown off the trailer in the sled. And after that third hog was caught and put on a side-by-side and headed back to the house, Paul Daly said, Everybody head to the pond! We're fixing to have church! I mean, that kind of adrenaline that kind of excitement and he said head to the pond we're fixing to have church and so i just started that way and about a rope's throw distance behind me was four people and i just ride head to the pond wondering if i'm going to be doing the preaching or somebody else is going to do the preaching and lord i just need something to say if i'm the one preaching you just get it dropped on you down there. But behind me, I heard the argument. I heard them talking about salvation. Tyler is a lady. She's married to Mitchell. That's two of the four. But Ray, who had shared that morning, a Christian. And Cutler was the other two. And so when I heard that, I just pulled old Roni up. I just turned around. And I said, you guys are arguing about denomination and you've heard, you've heard this little bit and piece right here when she said, I'm a Catholic, he's a Pentecostal. That causes lots of arguments. I said, well, Tyler, you ever been born again? No. I said, Mitchell, you ever been born again? Nope. I said, well, if you two will get born again, arguments are stopped because Catholic ain't going to do you no good. Pentecostal ain't going to do you no good. The only way you stay out of hell and get into heaven is you must be born again. I watched old Tyler's, her eyes welled up with tears. And I said, and if the Spirit's speaking to you right here in the midst of these pine woods, right on the midst of you being on the back of the horse, we can take care of that. She said, yes, that's happening. I looked at Mitchell, I said... Is the Spirit speaking to you? He looked at me and he said, no, he's not. And so I just looked at Miss Tyler. Miss Tyler, I said, I'll lead you in a prayer. The prayer won't save you, but the person in whom you're going to pray it to will. And when we got all done, you watched the riding with Rob. When I said, Tyler, what happened to you? She said, I was saved, born again, on the back of a whore. Now, I'm going to tell you, I hear some stories and read some stories about people being physically born in some places, but I've never heard of anybody being physically born on the back of a horse. I don't even think that's possible. But I can tell you, it is possible. I witnessed it for Tyler being born again on the back of a horse. Now, we had a little holy hoot nanny there, and then we headed to the pond. But when we arrived at the pond, listen, I began to learn more about this couple. When they told Alex, which is Paul's son-in-law, and Lenora, which is Paul's daughter, when they told them about what had happened back in the pine trees to Miss Tyler, man, they come out there and they come to me, and them tears was running down there. They was tears of rejoicing. And Alex began to say, You don't know, Pastor Rob, how many times we've sat with that family, Lenora and I, and shared with them the Word of God, even cried with them there, but you don't know how many times... Me and Lenora and Ray and Cutler have hit the altar and prayed for them to be saved. Oh, I thought I'd messed around and done something. I figured out I hadn't done nothing. (laughs) The tears had done reached heaven way before I reached Trout, Louisiana. After that church service at the pond, oh, Alex come to me and he said, Rob, I ain't been at, we'd done yoke cows together. We'd gathered cows. We'd had a rooster relay and he'd come to me and he had big old tears well up in his eyes. He said, what about, what about Mitchell? I said, man, he just said he wasn't ready. And I said, man, I, he said, man, we prayed for him. I've cried for him. He said, man, I can't get him off my heart. I can't. He said, what do you think I ought to do now that this has happened with Tyler? And I said, you know him sounds like you've been right down where the rubber meets the road more than anybody with him i said man if he's heavy on your heart i'd go find him and i just i just set him down and i'd get eyeball to eyeball and chest to chest and i just you know he said he wasn't led by the spirit but sometimes just just they are but they won't admit it didn't surprise me when alex disappeared and right before that Saturday night service. Oh, so Alex come running up there. He asked Paul if he could open the service. And he'd come running up there. And they got a set of reins. And every time somebody gets saved, they tie a set of knots in them reins. He run up there with that bunch of reins on the stage. And he said, now, a lot of you see, he'd been shedding tears for souls. He'd been sowing seed. He'd been broken hearted. I didn't see a broken heart when he was standing on them bale hayes. I say, uh, uh, bale haze. Thank you. Hey, bales. I seen rejoicing. And he began to share, many of you know what Tyler done in the pine trees today. And we've been praying for that. Boy, he's had tears of joy. He said, but there's not only one more knot in these rains. There's two more. He said, because I went and I took old Mitchell and I set him down out there on the back of a truck. And I'm going to tell you, Mitchell, give his heart and life to Jesus. And I'm rejoicing here today because we've seen two people saved, born again. And let me tell you where that started, folks. It started with a group of people that was willing to shed their tears and pray for these people while they were sowing seed, the Word of God, in their heart. I think Alex and Honora and Cutler and Ray could teach us something, remind us something. I'd challenge you, if you've got dry eyes, ask God to wet them. I talked to Billy Parham this week. And he said, man, I'm getting an opportunity to witness to a lot of people, Rob." I said good Billy he said you know how it started I asked God to break my heart for what breaks his and if you don't think it breaks the heart of God to send a soul to hell you're wrong read Second Peter 3 9 because he's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance and people die every second and they go to an eternal hell and you can't convince me, as long as you try, that don't break the heart of God. Why don't we do what Billy Parm done? Why don't we ask God to break our hearts for what breaks his? And one of the things that I know breaks his heart is soul after soul going to hell. Let's get broken for souls. You got a family member that's lost? How many of you? Come on. How many of you? You don't have a family member how many of you's got a friend that's lost a neighbor that's lost come on there needs to be tears for souls and then secondly and i'll be done it sounds like the same thing but it's not how about cries for souls i'm talking about tears coming down our faces we pray and shed tears because we're broken hearted for souls that are lost and undone and hanging in the balance. But now, when I talk about cries for soul winning, I'm talking about there's a cry for us to be soul winners. And it's fourfold. If you're ready for it, say I am. Number one, there's a cry from within. The Bible tells you, the Bible tells me, if we have not the Spirit, come on, we're not His. Meaning when we get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart. He dwells in His children by way of Holy Spirit in our hearts. And because He's not willing that any perish but all come to repentance, inside us that small, still voice cries out to be a soul winner. And it gets more personal than that, Brother Dave. Sometimes that cry from within gives us a specific name. Anybody ever had a name Given to you from within by the Holy Spirit that you should share with? Yes. And you'll be either obedient to it or disobedient to it. But there's a cry from within. I've got story after story I could share with you, but I want to do this one to encourage you. It came only a few days after I was saved, feeding cattle on the side of a hill beside my dad's. My uncle was put on my heart a cry from within. Go tell him about Jesus. You're three or four days old, and Jesus, I know you've given your testimony, but this is your uncle. This is a tough deal. Go tell him about me. There was a cry from within. All of a sudden, as I'm slinging alfalfa flakes, this, this cry from within just gets stronger and stronger, and, and those tears begun to begin to stream down my face. But how many of you know that when there's a cry from within, there's something that we're way more comfortable doing than sharing our faith? That day I was feeding cows. I had more cows to feed if I turned left, if I went east. And man, that call, that cry from within was so strong when I crossed that cattle guard. Rob Pierce wanted to go feed cows because Rob Pierce is comfortable feeding cows. And I thank God that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I thank God, and I don't take it for granted, that he's asked me to manage just a small handful of them. And I even reminded him that day, what about your cattle? You're just letting me manage them. He revealed to me he cares more about souls than he does cattle. He reminded me I needed to always keep that prioritized. You staying with me? So it's hard when that cries from within, isn't it? You've had it. I said, Lord, I want to go feed cows. And I know where I'm supposed to go. So right now I'm asking you to give me strength to turn right and not left. See, sometimes you have to pray for that strength. Does it surprise you that some nail-scarred hands come down that pickup to that day and turned it right? And watch what happens. I know then that I've got orders from headquarters. But when I make that two-mile drive and I pull in that long driveway, there's two strange cars in the driveway. What happened? The enemy shows up. Oh, yeah. The enemy shows up. Oh, look, they've got company. You can't go in there now. That wasn't the voice of the one that cried from within. That was the voice about here. Learn to know. God speaks here. The devil speaks here. So you know what I done? I just spoke to the devil. Me and him talk quite a bit. He don't like what I got to say. I don't like what he's got to say. He said, Oh, we've got company, not a good time. And I just turned to the devil. I can remember it in that old white flatbed feed truck. And I said, Let me tell you, my God sits high, my God looks low. My God knew who was here before he ever dispatched me here. So the best I can tell, devil, whoever's in there needs to hear the same thing my uncle needs to hear because I've got orders from headquarters to go share. I drove up that driveway, and it was my great-uncle and great-aunt that had showed up. And I sat down there in that living room that day, four or five days old in Christ at the most, and I began to share my testimony. I began to look at my uncle that was sick, and I began to look at the others in that crowd and say, man, you need Jesus and had never thought I'd never thought about it before. I wasn't a preacher at the time, but the Lord revealed to me what had happened that Tuesday morning is as I was sailing across the Sea of Life, I was drowning. And somebody shared the life raft, it's Jesus Christ with me. I'm glad somebody did. And what I told my uncle that day is I said, I got a, I got in the raft, the life raft. I got in the life raft Tuesday morning. And I looked at him and I said, You're drowning. In the Sea of Life, you're drowning in cancer. And I'm just telling you, there's a raft. I'm here to give you a hand into the raft. See, what happened is the day the Titanic sunk, there was enough life rafts to have every life saved on that boat. Did you know that? Well, why wasn't they? Because people were selfish. When they got in a life raft, they worried about getting to the shore instead of circling around and getting somebody else in the raft. When we get saved, we're just glad we're headed to the shores of heaven, aren't we? And we don't want to get uncomfortable to circle back around in the sea of life to extend a hand out to get somebody in. Well, I'm going to tell you what happens when you get saved. There'll be a cry from within because God sees him drowning in the sea of life. He gives you a life raft and that of His Son, and He says, "Don't be selfish. It ain't about just getting to the shore. It's about helping others get to the shores." of heaven and eternal life next time you have the cry from within be obedient you got a life raft circle around and get somebody else in it and all god's people ought to be saying Amen. secondly there's a cry from without about a month or two after i got saved i heard about a good preacher i thought he was a good preacher and 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 he was going to be in oklahoma city and so man i could hurt he could really preach and I hadn't been saved long, and so I got with our music director over at First Baptist Locust, Ryan Goodrich. I, I got with one of my brothers in Sunday school class, Rodney Keener, and uh, I got with old Colonel Scott Ogilvy. Didn't have nothing to do with church. just my own partner. I said, I hear about this preacher, and they asked me who it was. I said, I heard he can really preach. Probably be worth going and listening to. And so us four, we loaded up, and we headed to Oklahoma City. We got to the myriad that night, and there was a lot of people wanted to hear this preacher preach. The myriad was packed. So me and my three compadres, we went to the nosebleed section to the very top. And when the guy, I can't think of his name, got through singing, he was an old man. I think his name was George. He has a couple other names. He kind of stumbled off from the pulpit. And that preacher I heard could really preach. I couldn't wait as he crippled to the pulpit. And they put a stool under him because he wasn't even strong enough to stand. And he sat down and Billy Graham. Wasn't no big introduction. He sat down. He put his hands across the pulpit. And he said in the book of Acts chapter 16. There was a man named Paul. He had a friend named Silas. He said they was headed to pray one morning. And there was a slave girl that had been demon-possessed. And old Paul and Silas, they cast, prayed, and cast the demons out of her. And it made their the the guys that kind of was making money off of her demon possession a little mad. So they beat him and took him to the authorities and got him thrown in prison. And he said, later that night, so thankful, old Paul and his buddy Silas knew what they had headed to do. And It was a midnight hour and they didn't get distracted. They began to do just what they headed to do. They began to pray and they began to praise God. And he said, what happened when they began to praise and pray? God shook that place with a great earthquake. The doors come open and all the chains fell off. And when that happened, the old jailer, he was a Philippian. He pulled his sword when he seen the doors was open and chains on the ground because he thought it meant his life. Everybody had escaped on his watch. So he decided to end his life with his sword and he took it and he stuck it in his chest. But Paul, he just said, see that you don't do that. He said, and then that old Philippian jailer took a light and come running and fell trembling at the feet of Paul. And he said he asked Paul a question. And he said that question that he asked Paul, he said, I dare to say a bunch of you folks have got the same question here today. And he said that question was, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, Paul just told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved. He asked people to stand. I thought, I've come down here to hear Billy Graham, and he spoke about all of six minutes. And I thought that was introduction, and it's invitation time. And I watched people flood to those altars. That's what I said. Wow, how have we complicated the gospel. See, we live in a day and time where there's all kinds of religions, all kinds of mega health, wealth, and prosperity churches, and they're muddying the waters of salvation with religion and lies, and they're deceiving people. You with me? And I think... You feel about some things like they feel about the religion and the deception of lies. So let me ask you I just think this. This old COVID deal, this old political stuff, this old relationship with us and all these other countries. I just feel like we've been deceived. Feel like we're being deceived. Huh? And when it comes to all that stuff, sometimes, Brother Dave, I just want to sit down and say, I just want to know the truth. The whole truth and nothing about the truth. About COVID, about our political stuff, about all these accusations, about our relationship with other countries. Do any of you guys feel confused and deceived and you just throw your hands up and you'd like to have the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Can you just show me if that's you? That's me. I just want the truth, the whole truth. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe we'll ever get it. I don't believe we'll ever get it. Well, let me tell you something. There's a bunch of folks out there. And because of religions, because of deceptive churches, come on, they're confused and they're deceived. And you know what they want to know? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And you know who's got it? You and me. And they're out there hanging in the balance, and they're saying, help. Now, some of you has heard me tell the story about my old buddy Calvin. Not you, Calvin. Another Calvin. He's saying, thank God it ain't me. Look here. Calvin Grimmeth, black man. Four hundred, four and a quarter. But ropes, calves, agile, handicap. But I'm telling you this. I mean, when I say handicap, I'm talking about ropes in the sea roping or something. I mean, he's older, he's bigger. He don't rope in the open. So one day at Oshaleta, me and Dale Willis are standing there. He had done ropes. There's a few more ropings before the open roping, and old Calvin backs in the box. Four hundred something pounds, black man. And always up for match time. I mean, always. Mike, he's sitting back there grinning from ear to ear. I mean, pretty agile for his size. Well, this day, it's his turn to rope. Me and Odell Willis standing in the arena. And old Rerun, Calvin Grant, Rerun as his nickname. He run in there and he ropes his calf. And he usually steps off for a big man and gets down there. But this particular day, evidently he'd used the bathroom. And evidently he'd forgot to zip his pants. And when he got ready to step off, the saddle horn went inside the zipper of his pants. You'd think a 400 pounds or something would break and let you get to the ground. It didn't break. He ought to be an advertiser for the jeans he had on that day. He's hanging on the side of this horse. The horse is scared. He's scared. The calf is scared. And I'm scared. But he's right in front of me from here to Matt. Look here. He's hanging on the side of his horse. Kef ropers carry sharp knives because you cut people out of situations. Usually you're hung up in the rope. This was somewhat of a different situation. And I'll never forget old Calvin Grimms. His eyes got real big and he met eyes with me about from here to Matt. And he looked at me and he said, Rob, help me. Help me. And I felt as helpless as I could be because I didn't know what to cut. What do I cut loose here? But look here. We finally come together as a whole group and helped him get loose. But look here. I believe there's a lost and dying world looking to the church. And I believe they're crying. Help me. Help me. Because all the religions and the deceptions of this world got their souls hanging in the balance. And I'm telling you, when the cry is from without, we know how to help them. It's with a knife. No, it's with the sword. And we share with them the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Are you staying with me? Tears for souls, that's tears shed. Cries for souls, there's a cry from within, a cry from without, but then there's a cry from above. Hebrews 12.1 starts out with a therefore. Now this was a tough question, and some of you will struggle with the answer. When there's a therefore, it's tied to what comes right before it. So Hebrews 12, 1 starts with a therefore. Here's the tough question. Do you know what comes before Hebrews 12? Yeah. Hebrews 11. That's what's before Hebrews 12. So Hebrews 11, you can come to Sunday school and you can find out that's the hall of faith. What is the Hall of Faith? It's not pew setters. It's difference makers. You stand with me. So he says he's just talked about all these difference makers in Hebrews chapter eleven. And then he says, therefore. So he's t- he said I'm needing some more difference makers. Therefore, since we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they're up there, they're looking down on us. Are you with me? And since we are, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He says, "There is people that's done what God's asking you to do, and they're in heaven." And there's a cry from above. Can't you just hear the Apostle Paul today? Well, we've got to get back to winning souls. But I think about my grandpa, you've heard my testimony. I was holding his hand when he died on a Tuesday morning and for nine years as a cowboy and truck driver I wondered where he spent eternity. I didn't understand it. All I could remember was the last breath and the bow in his back when he passed away. But one Tuesday morning when I got saved the Holy Spirit revealed to me he was in heaven and you've heard my testimony. I even got frustrated and mad at my grandpa's the longer that day went because I knew he was in heaven and me and him best buddies I didn't know why he didn't tell me how to stay out of hell and get into heaven. So in that testimony, I tell, when I got home, I went to my grandma's house, and, and, and we had a holy hoot, Nanny. I told her what had happened, but then I backed up an arm's distance away, and I told her, but I'm mad at my grandpa. She said, why are you mad at your grandpa? I said, he's in heaven, and I know he is, but he didn't tell me how to get there. And if you remember my testimony, she began to cry, and she said, don't you get mad at your grandpa, boy. He didn't have time. See, he got saved the Monday night before he died on Tuesday morning. And when I got there that morning, he didn't have enough oxygen to hardly talk. And let me tell you, his story has been told and told and told and told. Because I can hear him from heaven. I didn't have time to tell him. Tell him Rob. Right. And I tell his story of how he was saved in the 11th hour. But too many deaths come at 10.30. I have told his story. I just feel like there's a cry from above. And you know Thelbert, my father-in-law, when he died, big, strong Thelbert. I watered him back in his bed. He didn't even have the strength to stand up that night and I got him back in his bed and I began to walk out of that room and with a weak voice Thelbert looked over he said Robbie I turned around I said yeah the best he could raise that old cancer weak bodied arm he said Robbie keep on keeping on that's the last words I heard from Thelbert Barnes on this earth But it just seems like I keep hearing them, Miss Georgia, from heaven. Because sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I get weary. And sometimes there's a cry from within and a cry from without. And sometimes I just need a little encouragement. And it's almost as I can hear his voice say, Robbie, keep on keeping on. There's a cry from above. But fourthly, there's a cry from below. Do you realize there's even people in hell that's crying out for us to be soul winners? The rich man died and he went to hell. And I'm going to tell you, he didn't go to hell because he's rich. The poor man died and he went to heaven. He didn't go to heaven because he's rich. Because he was poor. The rich man went to hell because he rejected Jesus Christ. The poor man went to heaven because he accepted Jesus Christ. It's real simple. But when they got there, look here, the rich man is begging Abraham to send Lazarus to his father's house that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue for his torment. You've, you've read the story. Look here. Abraham said, can't pass from here to there, there to here. So what's the next thing that happens? He says, hey, man, could you, could you maybe send him to my father's house? Huh? He said, I beg you. I beg you. There's a cry from below. I beg you, Abraham, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, lest they come to this place of torment. He's begging from the torments of hell that somebody go win the souls of his brother. Look here. Abraham says, he has Moses and the prophets, and what did the rich man say? Oh, send Lazarus. If one comes from the dead, they will repent it hit him too late in hell you got to repent you got to trust jesus and what did father abraham said they got moses and the prophets they've got this word right here oh but if one would write go to him that rose from, the only one that had to rise from the dead for us to be saved undone it his name is jesus christ and this word tells us that he done it and this word tells us believe in him with our heart confess him with our mouth and we can be saved you with me It's happened twice, and you've heard the stories, many of you. But one of the I'm just going to share one with you this morning. It was a man who bought feed from the feed store that my family owned. It was the man that had the river bottom leased, and any time he had cows that needed to be caught that he couldn't catch, I would go catch those cows for him. So he bought feed. I caught cattle from him near and dear to my heart. When I got saved, I went to the people that was near and dear to my heart. Are you staying with me? Didn't want much to do with Jesus. But when he died, he instructed his wife and his daughter, Rob Pierce. He's the one going to preach my funeral. I preached one Sunday morning and I left this church and I went over there and I met with that wife and I met with that daughter. First words out of their mouth is, now, now daddy, he didn't want a religious funeral. And I said, well, good deal. You've got a guy that is against religion in me. I'm not about religion. I'm about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if he didn't want a religious funeral, man, you've got the right man. Amen. That kind of her. She said, well, let me back up on that. I don't think he wants you to preach at his funeral. And that's when I almost said, You got the wrong man. But then the Holy Spirit reminded me of Luke chapter 16. Now, I'm not saying Cecil went to hell, but if he didn't change what he told me he did, I'm hoping he changed it. Look up. Listen to me. Even if he did go to hell, you know what I know from the scriptures? He would be begging this preacher, begging this preacher to preach the gospel when he was in a casket. Do you know we've all got family in hell? and you know they're begging for somebody to go to the family house lest we go the same place they are? There's a cry for souls from within, without, above, and below. There ought to be tears shed for souls. If you've never had the privilege of listening to junior hill one of the greatest evangelists one of the most humble evangelists that you've ever heard in your life you've missed it junior junior hill tells this story and it's a true story let me let me give you the scriptures before i do how about ezekiel ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18 if i don't give you these the story won't mean near as much you ready ezekiel 3 18 son of man God's speaking to Ezekiel. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. You want me to put application to that this morning? Children of God. Church that Jesus Christ died for. I've made you watchmen over the world. That's application. Okay? Therefore, hear a word from my mouth. If you're a children, a child of God, a Christian, He's made you a watchman over the world, and He says this very morning, hear a word from my mouth, not from the preacher, hear a word from my mouth. You're a watchman. Here's what God says to you. You ready for it? Say, I am. am. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, to save his soul, that some, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. Now listen to this. But his blood, I, this is God, will require at your hand. I've set you a watchman. I've told you to warn them. And if you don't warn them, their blood is on you. Next verse. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, he don't return, but you warned him. Nor from his wicked way he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. I think you better take pretty serious because God just spoke to you, his children. You're a watchman, and you're to warn. And if you don't, you got blood on your hands. Now, Junior Hill, one of the most humble, best evangelists I've ever heard, he tells a story, and it's a true story. He's preaching revival. And after one of the services, a man leaves a note in the offering plate, and it reads, I want to be saved. And I want to know if you and the evangelist, he wrote it to the pastor, if you and the evangelist will come and see me. Well, you, you, The pastor and Junior Hill, well, yeah. So they discussed the note that night and said the best time to go would be tomorrow afternoon. So the pastor picks up Junior Hill, and they they, they head to see this guy, but they've got to have fuel. They stop at a convenience store to get fuel, and they run into a backslidden church member that began